0: Welcome to the Below Average Game Awards, where rather than BSing you with all these categories that no one really cares about, we just get into it and talk about the game of the year, the one that people are actually there for. Can you tell me any game that's won best soundtrack or best narrative direction or anything like that? No, you can't. But you know what won game of the year, and it's not always the right game.
1: Agree. We obviously objectively, (laughs) as two... Powerful cisgendered white men have all the answers, and I'm ready to tell people yeah, that exactly. they're wrong, and that our opinions are concrete fact. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and unlike unlike all of those other awards, we obviously have no personal bias, and our opinion is absolute fact and objective. No,
1: and no, none of these decisions were changed by binging a game in three days. I swear.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. That that oh, would never uh-uh. happen. Never. so how's your day going today josh
1: oh you know michael it's another day we just got done playing way too much games in three days i haven't done that in forever it felt good but
0: you know pretty good i'm just having my coffee it was a bit of a throwback it was a lot of fun oh yeah i have not done something like that in a really long time
1: and it was fantastic
0: yeah so today we're talking about game of the year there's like this game's year's a little bit interesting I feel like there's only a couple games that I put in the conversation for like the actual game of the year, but there's a lot of games that I feel like are close enough that I want to talk about why they aren't quite there, if that makes sense. Games that are like, I feel like there was a lot of, in like the game of the year talk, a lot of nines and only like two tens where I'm like, I could actually see myself giving this game of the year.
1: Yeah. For me, the, for me, there's a lot of eights, nines. Um, there's really, I think, only one solid 10. For me, and the whole the whole year is just really interesting because I think it's a lot more about your taste this year than it is about like there just being some crazy epic game. Like even like some of the best games that came out, if you're just like not into that style of game, they're just not going to be good to you. And there's not a lot of options. Like honestly, twenty twenty didn't have that many good games that came out. Just it's a pretty short list.
0: Yeah, for sure. And while we're just to get started, first off, obviously spoilers. We're not going to, like, give away the end plot twist of any of these games or anything super story related, but we're going to be talking about all these games. So if you don't want to get spoiled on a game, don't listen or skip forward when we start talking about it. But to get it out of the way before anyone gets super upset because these games are missing, there are a couple games that neither of us have played this year. And I think we should talk about these first.
1: Yeah, and I think the great thing about this is that this is what we're going for here. Why talk about something we don't like or are not interested in for in sure. the Game of the Year? Because there's no there's no point. Yeah. You know, you're here for us. If you want the Game of the Year awards, you can go watch Jeff Keighley prance around on a stage. That's fine. You do you.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think the big one for both of us is Ghost. Ghost yeah. of Tsushima. Because... Neither of us have played this game. The game is supposed to be incredible. I, I've seen some art. I don't know a lot about the gameplay, but I've seen like the visuals from the game and the visuals all looked amazing. Shame that it's limited by being on the PS4, but whatever.
1: Yeah, the game's the game's gameplay looks like something I'm just not interested in right now. And that's why I just didn't, never got around to it. The game, yeah, it's supposed to be epic, supposed to be really good. I think the story sounds great and it might be something I get to eventually, but I got to be in the mood for something like that.
0: Yeah, I feel like Ghost of Tsushima, it's like it's something that is on my list, but it went onto my list in like the solid low teens, you know, like it's not something that I'm going to like drop other games to play, but it's something that's like on there if I'm ever in the mood for it.
1: Yeah, and we definitely made a decision before doing this episode. We wanted to get one more big game in and that lost out to another game that we'll talk about later. So,
0: yeah. Um, The other game I know for myself that I feel like is missing off of this list is Ori Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Yeah, because this game is supposed to be amazing. And do you you haven't played either of the Ori games, right?
1: No, I've not played them. I've just watched them be played a bit, but I haven't actually played them myself.
0: That's fair. So I've played about the first half of Ori and the Blind Forest Ori one. And that game is not really my jam. And I think that game is really close. And I love a lot of the concept of that game, but I just hate the combat and can't get over it.
1: See, that's fair. That's the whole reason why I haven't played picked up ghosts is because that style of combat's not my thing. And with Ori, Ori to me, looks like if I wanted to play Ori, I should just go replay Hollow Knight because it might just be better.
0: And that's the thing where I don't think like from my perspective, as someone who loves Hollow Knight, I think that the areas where Ori tries, like can, actually at least challenge hollow Knight in like kind of the art and the like platforming sections and stuff. It comes really close, but at the end of the day, it's just like on par. And then it's like, why would I play Ori, which has these things all on par. And then a combat system that I feel is like a six instead of a 10. I'm just going to go play hollow Knight. night. Yeah. Like, that's not a flame for anyone who likes Ori. If you like Ori, you like Ori. I just personally find the combat boring. So as I said, neither of us have played it. It's not going to be talked about. We don't have anything to say on it. Yeah. So
1: you want to start off then what's, what's one of your big games of the, this year?
0: Okay. Um, I think actually the first one I'm going to talk about is a, uh, a game called monster train. I am a very big fan and I think I can speak for both of us was saying both of us are very big fans of roguelite deck builders. Oh yes. They're awesome. They're so much fun. And this genre has the issue where it's really hard to compete with Slay the Spire.
1: Yeah, Slay the Spire really is the pinnacle of this genre still to me.
0: Yeah, and like I've played a number of these and nothing ever seems to top Slay the Spire. And even like Monster Train, I'm going to talk about it. I love the game. But at this point, I'm back to playing Slay. But the game was really cool. For those of you who don't know, the concept of the game is that rather than being the good guy, you're the hell demons and you're trying to go through and bring your pyre back to the center of hell. And you have a whole bunch of angels that are trying to stop you along the way. That's kind of the basis of the game. And so you actually, it functions a little bit like a deck builder and a little bit like a tower defense. Cause you have like three levels in your train and you get to defend each one differently. So you have to like put units down and buff them and stuff like that. And the game's a lot of fun. It does very, something very similar to slay the spire. Um, with the covenants in comparison to ascension levels, where you have basically modifiers that get added onto the game as you go. So, covenant one adds like a dead card to your deck, covenant two does this, covenant three does like so on and so forth. And I think there's 25 of them in that game as opposed to Slay's 20, which is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. mostly the same thing. A couple things I one thing I really liked about this game is it had when you hit ascension 25, it had a whole bunch of bonus modes that came out like a little bit after the game initially released where basically they were like bonus challenges that had like specific parameters and they still like were roguelite runs. So they still were random each time you played them, but like your starting conditions were like different. So there's ones where you like draw less cards in your turn or ones where you like have more mana or ones where all spells gain holdover, or stuff like that. So it's just like kind of interesting in that there's just this extra level of diversity where it gave you a little bit more to do at the max level which was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's one I missed because basically you played it first, told me Slay the Spire was better, so I just didn't bother.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would I would suggest to anyone who likes Slay the Spire, pick up that game, put in your 30, 40 hours, and then go back to Slay the Spire. It's a lot of fun. It's a blast. But at this point, like, I've put in a decent amount of time into it, and now it's just, the game's kind of run its course to me, whereas I feel like Slay the Spire has a lot longer lifespan because I feel like monster train is a little bit more solvable where like you have kind of your go-to that's going to be what you push for each run. Whereas in slay, it's a lot more about adapting because it's less consistent to get to that point.
1: Yeah. So I've got one here. You might flame me for this, but deal with it. Iceborne came out this year for PC monster hunter. Iceborne (laughs) came out this year. Watching you. And being that's primarily where we played it. We played it a bit on PS4 first, then switched, and then that's where we actually had a group. I think Iceborne was just more Monster Hunter done really well. And the mechanics they added to it, the extra areas, the weapons, and the end game. The game was really good. I mean, we shoved an incredibly large amount of hours.
0: The end game that no one experienced because you guys all stopped playing.
1: The end game's really cool. It's one of those I'm not things salty. though. Oh salt I'm not salty. It's so one of those things, though, that if I, like, I think now something like that, I'm a little bit more in for than than before. But it is hard, though, when you get to the end game of Iceborne, where you kind of have to have a group of people that do like a lot of the big stuff. And then a lot of it's just a big giant grind fest, which grind fest are fun, you know, but. I fell off a bit. I think it was more about the times than it was the actual game itself. I don't know. I think. Iceborne itself feels like its own game. It doesn't feel like an extension of World. It feels like its own game in quality, which I really liked it.
0: I think the most apt description I've seen of Iceborne is that it's actually just Monster Hunter World 2.
1: Yeah, which it it pretty much is. Like when you go into the, the amount of stuff they shoved in, it's insane.
0: I agree with that. Like it feels like a second game. The DLC is massive and I loved all of it. Yeah, I, I think that that game and again, I'm someone that likes grind fests like that's generally something that like that's kind of my jam. I love doing stuff like that. I love like the time consuming stuff of like someone who like likes wow, likes a lot of other things like that, loves Minecraft, like grinding isn't a downside to me. But playing that game I've played, I think I'm just short of 500 hours on Monster Hunter on PC at this point. I'm actually curious now
1: yeah and i know i'm i'm, I'm at like 100 and something high 100 and something and it's just knowing how much longer it was going to take me to get upgrades i just you know kind of bounced off of it a bit but everything yeah, leading I, I, up to it was amazing
0: i met 305 on monster hunter world and i think a lot of this was like at the start of this year i had a lot more free time than you did yeah which kind of like contributed to it but my thing with this game is I like the grind, but I also never felt like I was grinding in this game because it hit the point where like I wasn't even doing things that gave me upgrades. A lot of the time I was just doing things to kill monsters because it was fun. Yeah. And like I beat the game and got to like really close to being like done like my like the, my bow build and all that stuff. And then it was just like, let's just go and spend 30 hours learning a new weapon. Yeah, not for any upgrades, not for anything like that. Like I was I'm at the end of the game. I can craft the end game set pretty quickly, barring like having to farm for like a couple like mats or whatever for armor pieces. But just like learning the weapons and all the weapons of this game are incredible. And I think all of the upgrades because each weapon had like an additional move with uh, added in in Iceborne. And I think all of them are really good.
1: yeah. Oh, it's it's more it's more good old monster hunter. The expansion was insane and like could have been its own standalone game. I appreciate the price point it came out at. I appreciate the quality and the care that went into it. So you no, know, that was a big one for me. What's next on your list?
0: Um, so I have a couple more obscure games on my list because I didn't feel like the target market for like the big ticket games this year, like ghost last of us, cyberpunk, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Didn't really feel like I was like, weren't really my thing. So I have a couple of obscure ones. So the next one I have on my list is a game called monsters expedition. This is a game. And so this is a Sobicon puzzle game. So the Sobicon genre refers to when you have like blocks or things that you push around and have to accomplish something with. So like Steven Sausage Roll, for example, is a Sobocon puzzle game. This game is you play as a monster and it's like pseudo open world, which is really interesting in a puzzle game because you're on a whole bunch of different little islands and you can cut down trees and roll logs around. So on some islands, you have to like make a pathway to a new island. On other islands, you have to pass logs. I don't want to like give away too much because spoilers in a game like this like takes away your like discovery of things. But it's just, like, it's this open-world puzzle game where you have to, like, backtrack. Which is really cool and, like, not something you see very often. Like, very rarely does this happen in a puzzle game. And that was just, like, really cool. And also, the entire, like, thing of the game is that you're a monster walking around a museum. And so the entire museum has a whole bunch of pedestals with human objects on them. And they have a monster's interpretation of what those objects are.
1: That's really cool. So you
0: get things that are like massively defined wrong and it's hilarious. Just like, again, it's it's a puzzle game. If puzzle games aren't your jam, it's not going to be your jam. But just, it was really good. And the fact that it's got like a little bit of like out of the box stuff with being a little bit open world and having some different things that you can do. And again, it's kind of that thing where... There's things that you don't know you can do, and then you're going to play it and be like, wait, can I do this? And then you're going to try it. And games that puzzle games specifically that let you explore that feel so good. And the feeling when you actually get to do that, when you figure it out for the first time on one of these puzzles is incredible. Yeah. I've got I've got an obscure game here
1: that kind of has like a kind of a cult following. I really like it. I want to put more time into it. I haven't done a ton of this yet. But the experience for this is something I haven't gotten from a game in a while, and that's Phasmophobia. Mm. This this game, this game looks like, you know, an indie game and it is an indie game. But this game is just like, what if like ghost hunting was, you know, real and that's what this game is, you know, and whether you believe in like that, the hyper spiritual stuff or not, this game's super fun, but also is the first time I've been legitimately scared like creeped out by a game in a really long time. Like probably since I was oh, like yeah. a teenager. This game does a very very good job of making you think nothing's going to happen and like kind of luring you in, making you feel okay and then it hits the fan. And because you have to kind of agitate the thing you're hunting, you just you you feel like you're like digging your own grave when you're playing the game. I really like it. It's a fantastic multiplayer game to play with friends. I definitely suggest you get off of a Discord call if you're playing and use the in-game communication because it adds a lot to the atmosphere of the game just using walkie-talkies. But the little bit that we've played, I really, really like it. And I, I was actually planning on possibly like trying to get a group together soon and playing more of that game and doing some recordings for the podcast too, which would be sweet. Because that game's so much fun. And just even like the progression system of buying items by like being successful on these hunts, turns into like this little mini RPG feel which is really cool. And I really hope that game keeps getting support and they keep working on it because I think it has a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, the game's the game's early access now, and I was very impressed with what I with what we played. It was really good and I'm very interested to see how they take it going forward. But it's just the atmosphere of the game is incredible. When I saw that game, like I expected that game to be fun, why well, I convinced everyone to play it, but I didn't expect that game to be like actually kind of like unnerving and like a little bit scary in it but it actually was like it was done really well The like just the atmosphere of everything and the extra walkie-talkies and that kind of stuff adds to it really well and the fact that when you're researching there are some ghost types that you have to try to aggravate to figure out what they are
1: yeah and like one of the first levels we played where a friend got murdered and we all ran out of the house it was so much fun. That was
0: so Just funny. gets murdered in front of 3 of us and we're all just out. <laughs> like, that, was, nope. that was awesome. <laughs> in the van, we're leaving. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was great. What you got up next?
0: Okay. Well, that that that's one of the games off my list that I was going to talk about. Got him. <laughs> um to to follow up on puzzle games cuz I brought up one of those. There's another puzzle game and I haven't actually played this game yet. But it's been really well-reviewed, and it's something that's been on my list really highly, and that's super liminal. It's a puzzle game that plays on perspective, so the concept of the game is if you move things in your field of view, you can actually change their size.
1: That's interesting.
0: And it looks really cool. As I said, I haven't played it, but it's just a game that, like, looks really cool, has been really Mm well-reviewed, and I think is something that, like, was one of the better games this year, at least for, like, myself. Yeah. So...
1: I think I'll do a big one. Let's do a big one. This is one we played big together. One. Beyond Light, Destiny 2, the expansion. Okay. Th- it was really fun. You know, this one's on here because it's fun. This is like... You know, there's there's a few things about it that, you know, I think Destiny has a lot of potential and I hope it keeps going forward. It does feel a little shallow in a few spots, but it's because they're adding stuff in. But this was just a ton of fun. This is probably just the best, like co-op shooter out there still and just the campaign was actually interesting i kind of regretted not paying attention to the story mo the story more <laughs> the first time i played the game through and like destiny one because like beyond light story was actually kind of interesting and a lot of the environment looked insane there's a particular point in the campaign of beyond light where you see kind of like this big pyramid and it's like really dark all around it and just the spectacle and the sheer size of everything there made you feel so small in like this grandiose thing going on. And I love it when games can do that really well within their environment and make you feel something and give you perspective on the world you're in just by like the environment, how it looks, not even through dialogue. And I really like that about Destiny. I thought Beyond Light was really fun.
0: I, I think Beyond Light in and of itself, like what Beyond Light is, is like a a high nine. I think it's really good. And the only real complaint about the, the expansion is that it's a little bit small, but that, but everything's been exasperated because destiny two as a whole is going through like some growing pains and a bit of a rough patch right now, because they're trying to figure out how to keep the same game and still have it fit on console. Yeah. Whereas like you have something like, wow, that just has all the content available permanently. Like that, that's never going to change with. Wow. But WoW has the benefit of, one, being on PC. So you can have different demands for people. And two, all of your WoW files are going to be a lot smaller because at the end of the day, the game still has 2010 graphics. Yeah. Or earlier. So that's where you kind of have this issue where there's a real cost to Bungie to have old environments in Destiny 2. And, like, in WoW, as, like, an example of it, a comparison... Old environments aren't used that much in the no. grand scheme of things. They're used a little bit, not a ton. And so that's where, like, because Beyond Light launched at the same time as Sunsetting and the Content Vault and a couple other things, I feel like it got panned really hard. And a lot of people really disliked the expansion because they weren't separating the two. Because I think the expansion is really good. And the Sunsetting and content vaulting has a little bit of work to be done on it
1: yeah the the core product of playing beyond lights campaign is really really good what you do after the campaign has a lot of issues need to be fixed that also includes the you know famous they broke pvp with stasis too right so it's just like if i mean if you haven't jumped into beyond light yet like the campaign's worth it and then after that you know just just see what see what's going on you know it's the great thing about like these persistent games is you can go in play the campaign play some of the stuff afterwards stop and come back later and it's not a big deal
0: yeah i uh i think kind of like the they destroyed the pvp is kind of a rough thing because in a game like destiny the pvp is always going to kind of be like that you're you're never going to have you're never going to have balanced pvp in a looter shooter like, the, that's actually just a feature of it, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, but the way that it broke, I think, was a little different, though. I I, oh, yeah. I I played some PvP like that, and Stasis was heinous.
0: But... I mean, it's... I think it's been changed a lot at this point. So I think it's a lot better now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely better now. I still kind of had fun when it was broken. It's just yeah. like one of those things where you play a little bit while it's broken. You know, it's like it's like a too sweet of a cake. You're like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. have a little piece. It's still a little piece. Of course, of course. <laughs>
0: Okay, I've got a really weird game that you might flame me for on my next one.
1: Oh, Lord. What is it?
0: Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Really? This, this is on here for one of the three games. Okay. 64 is still balls. Sorry to break it to you. Game's controls are broken. They did nothing to fix it. Yes, game's iconic. Game has a cult following. Game makes a really good speed run. Not really a... This is going to blow your socks off in 2020 game. Sunshine, same kind of thing, but like a little bit better. Controls are like still a little bit wonky. Game's a lot of fun. Game's great. Galaxy though. Galaxy is like probably the best 3D Mario game in its original version on Wii. And it got upgraded on this version. The fact that you get to play with the motion controls in, a, in like a Switch controller versus the like motion controls in a Wii controller makes that game a massive upgrade. Just on that front. And as well, because the Wii was in this weird spot where it wasn't quite an HD console yet, Galaxy actually had a lot of textures that were good enough for HD games. So the game actually just looks like a fully fledged HD game. And I think that this game had its following but didn't get enough credit because Galaxy is actually just an upgrade from an original. And people forget that, like, Galaxy was one of the best games of that generation. Galaxy is probably one of, like, the top 20 games of all time, in my opinion. And the fact that this is a strict upgrade to what Galaxy was, in my eyes, like, it's the way to play Galaxy. I would never go back and play Galaxy on a Wii now. And that's really impressive.
1: Yeah. Uh, Switch motion controls are the best thing ever. You know, with you, you recently gave me Pikmin to start playing through, and I got reminded how awful Wii's motion controls are now. They were great at the time, but oh my god, I never want to use that <laughs> controller again. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so bad. Well, yeah, and that—that's the thing. Where like, even though you kept the motion controls, the fact that the motion controls are done on Switch, not on Wii, is incredible.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Switch like motion that, controls. Wow. <laughs>
0: just like I I was not prepared I bought Mario 3D All-Stars because I'm just like a Mario fan and I'm like I'll enjoy this game I was not prepared to be as impressed with Galaxy as I was Hmm. it was incredible
1: so I've I've got I've got another one here just got bumped so Cyberpunk is not one of the best games of the year it's one of my favorite games of the year it's not my favorite game of the year but it's one of my big favorite games Despite its its shortcomings, we're putting that all aside here. Okay. yes, there's a bunch of stuff that's broken about the game. It doesn't work on other consoles, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's heard about that. The game itself that's playable is really, really good. I think the leveling system there is something I want to see more out of games where your actions dictate your level ups. And like as you do abilities more, they get higher in that game. The world feels really open and you can kind of go anywhere. There's no invisible walls in the game. Which is insane. When you get double jumps, you can climb skyscrapers in a bunch of spots, and there's just nothing up there. Because you're just on top of a mm. building. But the fact that you can still do it while there's nothing up there is like really cool game design to me. Because if you go up on this ledge, you can kind of get a bird's eye view of an area and kind of plan out stuff just because you bought double jump. The game has a lot of authentic, really good. Uh, decision-making to make in in the story, how you go into situations, your loadout. I really, really like Cyberpunk. Now that we're done, our big grind that we did the last three days, which we'll get into later, I like want to go back and play that game a ton more. It still doesn't run super, and I'm looking forward to more patching happening here, but there's a lot lost in how good that game is narratively too. Like minor thing. Beginning of the game, one of the characters like passes away. And there's a whole memorial section in that game that's so good and kind of hooked me. So it got me entrenched with the characters a little bit better, which I really like. Like, if you make a big open world game like that with a bunch of side quests, and a bunch of story, and the characters aren't interesting, it doesn't grab me. So like I just I just stop caring. It's kind of like the Dark Brotherhood for me in Skyrim and Oblivion 2. Those are that's one of the big things I really like, because like I have a really like dark fantasy vibe thing that I really like that in games and in media in general. And the Dark Brotherhood is something I wish that we had more of in Skyrim Oblivion because it hooked me. And my hook for Cyberpunk was the memorial service. And I don't know the game's the game's really good. If you have a good high end PC and you want to play it, play it. And if you want to wait, wait. But, you know, I I had to say something about that game, though, because I really do think the stuff that it does with leveling and loadouts and gear are better than i have seen in like like five six years easily
0: Fair, sure. i can totally get that i have one more that i want to talk about before this uh number one game
1: sweet i have one more too not sure. even planned look at that synergy i want
0: to talk about animal crossing new horizons
1: Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean my chair back here.
0: Uh, that's the stuff. Sip my coffee. Go For on. For context, I have not played this game. I know a ton about this game. I've watched way too much YouTube and Twitch on it. And I have like know basically everything that goes on in this game. And I haven't played it. And I think the fact that I haven't played it speaks to this game not being the game of the year. Because, you know this, this is kind of my jam. This kind of game is what I do. Stardew, Harvest Moon, Old Animal Crossings, everything. This is kind of what I do. This is my jam. This game, is it, this game, you know the phrase victim of circumstance? Yeah. This game is flipped. It's the benefactor of circumstance. This game had no right being as big as it is.
1: Yeah, it's just. Right time man
0: It happened to be the only Good game Releasing right when COVID started And like that's actually my take on this game This game For one feels Felt like an early access game when it got launched There is, there is some aspects to games like this That shouldn't be on release Things like festivals, things like stuff like that That's fine to come in, in the year There were literal features that weren't out an Animal Crossing game is not a game that gets patched mid-term, mid-release. That's not how it works. The game should be done and fully in place on renewal. On on not renewal, release. Yeah. The game being drawn out, like that the fact that fishing and diving, not fishing, but like diving came later and all these other things came late is the reason the game felt like it had content. Cuz the game's small compared to other Animal Crossing games. And the NPCs have less dialogue than they did in previous games. They'll say the same thing over and over again. They don't have much diver- as much diversity. The museum, when the game shipped, wasn't fillable. What? I did not know that. You couldn't complete the museum when the game released. That sounds egregious. The entire economy of the game was borked because the best way to make money was buying and selling turnips you know the turnip posts i saw
1: on twitter it was hilarious
0: there's literally literally a couple streamers made a website for it and made money off of it that's great you made a turnip seller that borked the entire economy of the game that and like for a game that's all about money because like that's it's all about money. It's about trying to pay off your debt and upgrade your island. Like, the game is all about money and you borked your entire economy.
1: Yeah, it's really bad.
0: <laughs> like what? And like, I, I don't know. This game just like, I think this game did really well in the aspect of the things you could do with people. I think we saw a lot of like, I saw a lot of like Twitch streamers and YouTubers and stuff like that doing really cool content together kind of mm. like in the way that we saw we see Minecraft used a lot now where people kind of use it as a meeting ground to do whatever they want like I watched a group of streamers do Animal Crossing Survivor and that was super entertaining that now, was I watched
1: awesome. that too that was that was fun no I really liked that, that was, was that was
0: great and that aspect of that game was really good but I don't know just when you pile everything together I just like look at this game and I'm like I want to love you, but I can't. <laughs> I think this game is probably I think
1: I would like Animal Crossing more than you would, even though it's your style of game, because this feels casual is like way more casual friendly. Like for me to like not know anything, go play it, never look up anything, just fart around to like you being the guy that will min max it. You can break it with the turnip thing like it, w- it was breakable for you. And it oh, yeah, I be mean, fun. If, I,
0: if I if I go back and play this game, I will not be. I will not be using it. Like it it just feels like an exploit to me. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it should be a part of the game. So like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's hard because it's a game that I really want to like. It's a game where I've loved older versions of it. Just this game missed a little bit. I don't know. And I think, I think that this game is way bigger than it deserved it to be just because of its circumstance, just because of the time when it got released.
1: Fair. So I've got one more here. This is not for the game itself, which is not necessarily my jam, but what it's done. Legends of Runeterra by Riot Games, the League of Legends card game. So. I really, really like card games. This feels more like a video game to me than a card game.
0: Is Runeterra really this year?
1: Yes. Wow. It got it was in early access before that. It came out in April. That's how this year is gone. I literally wow. checked this four times to make sure I was right. It was it was just in beta before that. The official release was April. So every single Magic the Gathering streamer that I liked watching moved to Runeterra this year, and that's amazing. Bravo, Riot! Thank you for taking Magic down a notch and wizards down a notch for their predatory shitty practices and how they monetize their game. Mwah. And now they just stole a bunch of streamers. And like, I like watching rune The gameplay is really, really good. Like, I think it's like objectively a good system, but it's not what I like in card games, but I want to give it the love and respect that I think it deserves for the way the economy works, how much support they're giving it. The fact that we're going to have a tournament mode, we are gonna have a of spectator everything already we're meant to the other arena doesn't have any of that stuff yet and like a third-party company runs the tournament software that magic uses because they don't give a shit about their players and you can both care about your players and make money and riot's done it and i really appreciate that cosmetics
0: are a hell of a drug man <laughs>
1: Dude, I literally, like, bought you 20,000 RP worth of skins. I need to finish giving you your skins, by the way. I need to finish that. <laughs>
0: like, cosmetics, like, the free-to-play plus cosmetics model, Bryas just nailed it, and they're doing amazing with it. Yeah. But is R- interesting for me, because I, I really like card games in paper. I think I've come to the conclusion I don't actually like digital card games. I don't want to play a PVP digital card game barring a very, very small exception for like a massive amount of time, because the part that makes magic or Netrunner, or even like more like tabletop type games, things like binding of Isaac Ascension, that kind of stuff. The thing that makes those good is the people for me. Yeah. And I'm just like magic or even when I loved magic, even when I wanted to play magic every day, I still wasn't playing it digitally. And I think that's the thing where like Rune Terra misses the mark for me because at the end of the day, it is still just a card game. And I love something like Slay the Spire because Slay the Spire is something that it's not like time-constrained. You can put it on pause. You can dip. And like, I feel like when I'm looking for a card game to play digitally and not like, I want something that I don't have to commit time to. And I don't know, like, maybe that's just me, but digital card games are in a really hard space for me. But Rune Terra seems to be... Better than everything else right now, and I think I think Riot, as like a side note to this, Riot has had one of the most impressive years we've ever seen from a gaming company. What they've accomplished this year is actually amazing.
1: Yeah, and you know I hope they keep they they keep pressing on. We're gonna have more Riot games coming out too. Riot game means are over. It's all about Riot games now, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's just Riot's been crushing it.
0: I'm so excited for Ruined King.
1: Oh, yeah, I am too.
0: Did you did you see did you watch that uh, sponsored Legends of Runeterra video I sent you?
1: I I forgot. Damn it. I haven't done it yet. I'm a terrible person. So
0: so there there's a YouTuber and it's just like kind of anecdotal on Riot being amazing. Mm-hmm. There is a YouTuber called Chris Ramsey and he does puzzles like pu- like real in world puzzles. So his big thing is puzzle boxes is actually like his YouTube channel. Nice. And he used to do like, he used to do like card reviews and stuff like that. And like magic, like card magic and stuff like that. And like cardistry. But his big thing is puzzle boxes. And so this is possibly the greatest sponsorship I've ever seen from a company because riot reached out to sponsor his game for legends of Runeterra sponsor a video with legends of Runeterra. And they actually worked with a puzzle box company to design a puzzle box that looks like one of the weekly vaults from Runeterra.
1: That's amazing.
0: And actually like built one of the best puzzle boxes I've ever seen. And that's just one of those things where it's like, again, Riot was like sponsored content. All right, let's raise the bar for this too. Yeah,
1: that's nuts. So we have special little thing going on for our game of the year, though. We have our the best game of the year. What we think is just the best game. And then we have our personal favorite game.
0: I mean, mine are one in the same. Yours
1: are one in the same. To be fair. So we'll <laughs> knock that out and then we'll do my favorite game. So say, say it for me What our okay. game of the year is.
0: Our game of the year is Hades. Hell yeah. This game is Absolutely incredible. And, I mean, I might be a little bit biased because I love everything that Supergiant has put out. You, You probably remember, like, a year and a half ago, me trying to convince you to play Transistor and Bastion, and it's never stopped because those games are amazing. And Hades took a genre that felt played out. I haven't played the last, like, seven good roguelites that came out because... By god, they're all the same and I can't stand it. And Hades like came in and I was like skeptical cuz I was like I love everything that that uh Supergiant does, but also like it's a roguelite. So I mean, is it going to And then I I played it and I mean, I I, w- I was an idiot. This game's incredible. This game takes the the roguelite problem that I feel like has the issue where I, my my big experience with roguelites is binding of Isaac Mm. and I feel like binding of Isaac is 40% skill and 60% the run and I feel like there is like 5% of binding of Isaac runs where you literally can't lose them if you tried I agree because the game is just so item dependent I'm not saying it's a bad thing but that's kind of the consistent, normal thing for roguelites like this. You you see that in that game. You see it in Dead Cells. You see it in, at least in my opinion, in Dead Cells and in like Gungeon. You very much, see, I, I feel like there's just like these unlosable runs where like, even if you put the hand, the controller, like give it to a seven-year-old who's played minimal video games, they're probably going to still be able to see it through. Like, runs where you get to mom's heart and you walk into the room and fire one shot and it dies. Yeah. Those runs don't exist in Hades. Full stop. And that's really impressive to me. Because you made an item system with boons that makes the items feel meaningful and every upgrade you're, like feels like a choice and feels like it matters. But it never feels like it ends the run. And that's incredible to me. It pushes that like 40% skill, 60% the run to like 70 or 80% skill. And very little on the run, which is really cool and really stands out in that genre.
1: Yeah, no, the runs are amazing. The drafting mechanic where you have to pick three is really, I really like that in games. Slay the does the same thing with their cards when you add the decks, right? Having that in a game like Hades where it's like, Take one of the three and you can kind of build your character as you go on your run. And when you get done your run, you're still building your character. By spending money and resources outside of the run to do other things and how it affects your environment around you and doing these things builds the story, too. And everything in that world feels very alive. The fact that characters react to your upgrades and like when you run back into like these gods and you have to make a decision, like, do you want this person's thing or this person? And then they'll want to tax you because they're jealous because you picked the other one. Is amazing. No, and me too. Like super giant. Like I've tried playing Bastion a couple times now, and I've like haven't been having a hard time getting into it. So like, I'm not even like that big of a super giant fan. I don't know. There's something weird about the way that a Bastion feels to me to play, and I haven't tried Transistor yet, but Hades. Hades got me into their games I really love the soundtrack the voice acting and the narrative are actually pretty good like way better than uh, anything else in that genre I can think of usually that genre is just like dead when it comes to like interesting dialogue and characters to me usually they're just like you know filler it's like oh we need like a story behind our game or this game felt like the story dictates the gameplay in a weird way and I really like that The world just feels very cohesive and put together and just the gameplay is really fun and feeling yourself get better, like physically at playing the game while your character also gets better is a really fun aspect that usually you only get something, get from something like Dark Souls or God of War or, you know, games that require you to get better. Hades is like get better and then your character also gets better and they go along with each other and it's really fun.
0: Yeah and like the thing is I don't think I think that the out of run upgrades are done Really well Where they feel meaningful but they don't Feel required If that makes sense Mm. Like at this point like with the amount I've played I'm like I can probably win a run without any of My out of combat upgrades like without Any of like the like mirror upgrades or stuff Like that yeah But they still feel like Impactful not game Breaking which is just, kind of think, like, for me, honestly, across the board, what this game did. Because roguelites, just, like, my experience with them has always been that they have game-breaking stuff in them. And so, like, when I come across something that totally destroys the roguelite and game breaks it, I'm like, well, this is just a feature of this genre. Apparently, it's not. Yeah. Also, uh, like, as a side note, and this is something that, like, we saw a little bit with Dead Cells a couple years ago. But roguelites used to have very samey gameplay, from my experience. Like, these traditional, like, top-down action roguelites, where, like, something like Isaac or Gungeon is very slow, if that makes sense. Yes. That's not to say that, like, all the attacks are slow or the game's easy, but it's very slow. It feels slower. This feels like a game that's reliant on, like, speed and twitch reflexes, which is really cool. And, like, it's something that's not done very often in this genre. And another game that actually came out this year that I felt this way about, which I've only played a very little bit about, is One Step from Eden. Yeah. Where it actually feels like these twitch and these reflexes and, like, being able to do something super quick is really relevant. And it feels like reacting to what the enemy's doing is more relevant. Whereas, like, in something like Isaac, again, as my, like, prime reference... Your extent of reaction to your enemy is walk out of the way of their projectile. Yeah. Where it actually feels like, especially with the mechanic in uh Hades here where you can like knock things into walls for bonus damage and like staggers and stuff like that. That's awesome. That like adds so much to the gameplay because it makes knocking back things actually a mechanic that feels good and that just like feels incredible. And the fact that they even gave you a way to upgrade your boons like the fact that you have like three distinct different types of upgrades and you get to see them and actually like try to like path your way through. And, you know, before going into rooms is really cool.
1: Yeah. No, the, the game feels like you're on an adventure in a game that is a roguelike, which is like crazy that you you're, you're going on this big epic quest and all your deaths are like in the story and it all flows into each other. The, The game's epic. That's a 10 out of 10. I wouldn't change anything about that game. The game's so good.
0: Yeah, and I think think the story, the art, and, like, the music and all that kind of stuff is absolutely incredible. But for me, that's not, like, the super crazy thing about that game because Supergiant's always been that way. Supergiant is always on point with their feeling and their atmosphere and their story and, like, the way the game looks and all that stuff. They're always there. But this game also, like, topped everything else in its genre on gameplay. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's, like, overly close.
1: Yeah. I, I I do not want to play anything else in this genre besides Hades now.
0: It's... Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just... It's interesting.
1: Yeah, like, Dead game Cells is, was on sale. And I was like, why am I going to buy Dead Cells? I have Hades. I'm good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just everything about this game, I... I was, as I said, I was skeptical because roguelites felt like they had run their course, but apparently there just hadn't been a good enough one released. And I, I think this game will be the defining game for roguelites going forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. So now, now we have to let the people know what we've been up to the, the last couple days. Okay. And I have to, I have to explain because we we went on this journey. Where this is where we decided what we were playing. And it was either Final Fantasy 7 Remake or like Ghost or something like that. And we decided to both play Final Fantasy 7 Remake.
0: Or Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing was the third one on that list. Well, you know. But we both noped out of that one.
1: No. Not enough time. But so Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. We're like, <laughs> let's start playing Final Fantasy. And it was the afternoon. By Saturday At roughly one o'clock in the morning Technically on Sunday Which is today We finished it In three days we played the entirety of Final Fantasy 7 Remake For you A little bit for us too But mostly for a little you bit for us. Definitely a little,
0: a little bit for us yeah, a little bit for I us. feel like if it was just for us it would have been delayed a little bit Because I definitely wanted to sleep last night <laughs>
1: Sleeping is for nerds. (laughs) So, So this is not. This is not my best game of the year. Like that's Hades for us. This is my favorite. Because it made me feel things. And like was really interesting journey. Because Michael here has never played the original. And I've played it like six times all the way through. And it's one of my favorite games. And it's a big gaming moment for me for those who've played the original um end of disc two. Make you know, and then you go to play this game and it's you know so it's it's really good. This this game is an interesting one for me though. What what are your thoughts on this game with our experience here? I want this to be a little interactive.
0: I so I think this game I feel like my opinions even changed since last night. I think this game is a high nine that I feel like is a seven. Yeah. I feel like this game is like on the brink of being a 10, but I want to call it a seven because of the ways in which it isn't a 10 where it just feels like they missed easy things where there's like a couple things that feel off and a couple parts where like the game feels like, no, I, like, just has, like, extra cutscenes. Like, why is there 45 minutes of cutscenes in the last chapter? Yeah. Like, they- I, I just, I don't know why there's 45 minutes of cutscene in the last chapter. And a lot of it's unskippable, which is great. Yeah, design your game with more unskippable cutscenes the second time pl- through, please.
1: Yeah, it's just... So, this game... I really, really liked what they did with the source material. Everything that was there before that they expanded on and recovered was really, really good outside of one particular scene. Everything they added was bloat and didn't need to be there, is basically my feelings. Like they took. Jesse Biggs and Wedge and made you care about them all a little bit more by making them more part of the game, which I think was really, really good. It makes things to happen with those characters feel more impactful. Meanwhile, you have a bunch of added characters that feel like. Dumb comic relief or just like generic Skyrim side quest, like, you know, number 237. It's just there's a lot of like lacking of care in the additional content, and I don't think it added anything. Especially if you're going to be planning on releasing this whole game, you could have gone a few more steps in this game. Instead of like, you know, expanding on these sub small sections that didn't need expanding. This game, I don't think, had a good ending point where they chose to end this game. Makes sense because they didn't want to make anything outside of Midgar. They didn't want anything outside of that place. So from game design perspective, I get why they did it. Me as the player does not like where this game ended. The last fight, and this is now, we're going to be getting to like you know, some kind of spoilery things here about this game because I actually want to discuss this. So, you know, if you want to not have spoilers, you know, we'll, we'll catch you next week. But the Sephiroth fight was amazing. And like It really lent into the Advent Children, Sephiroth, and how, like, fantastic everything was in that fight. The actual fight itself was really good. The background was amazing. I loved that part of that fight. The stupid fight before that, with the big giant purple, like, demon-ass thing, was so stupid and unneeded and ruined the end of that game for me. Because I just wanted it to end. At that point, so I go to fight Sephiroth and I'm like, OK, now I'm back in it. But why did I have to go do all that other shit? Like, what's the point? It's just bloat for the sake of bloat. And that's what this game feels like. There's a lot of bloat in this game mixed with this 10 out of 10 stuff for me. Like the rooftop scene with Aerith. In this game is better than the original. And that scene is one of my favorites in the original game. And this one's just better. And like the emotional weight to everything in this game is better. But you padded it out. With so much fluff. That it takes away from. How much better a lot of this stuff is. Because you took me away from it. Over and over and over again. And like we did all the side quests. Which is which is fine right. They didn't take that long. But they took long enough. That they should have been better. Where like if you get something like. Cyberpunk of the Witcher. They have very very good side quests. And a ton of them. This game didn't have a lot of side quests, so I feel I think they could have just done better or just cut them out and even just make the game shorter.
0: I mean, my thing with that is, and this is again, I don't know what was in the original game and what was not Yeah. Looking back now, like if I had to take things out like that, the last fight before Sephiroth with like, again, big purple thing. No idea what it's called. Why do I fight the same things four times and have them keep resetting to full HP? That's just bloat. Yeah. If you want to have that fight in the game, just put me in the last section immediately. Put me in the last section where you fight like the combined like tower of them or whatever the big thing. And then let me do the part with all three of them separate where as soon as one runs out of HP, I get the opportunity to damage the main guy. Yeah. Just do that. Don't have all this extra section in it. That section should have been 10 minutes and instead was 40 or however long it was. But you get my point. Yeah. Yeah. And And the side quest sections didn't feel like they added anything. Like, and like, I actually, I really enjoyed the combat of the game. Like, even like, I wish that some of the side quests were harder. Like, something like the, uh, what was it called? The Ancient Behemoth or whatever? Yeah. Like, that fight was cool, but it was also kind of a joke. Yeah, it's just... And like, that's how I felt a lot about a lot of stuff where like, I wanted the game to be harder. And maybe when you go back and play it on hard, it fixes that. But just the side quest sections didn't feel like they added anything. But the games, the game's character development is one of the best I've seen in gaming. I have cared more about those characters in that game than almost any other game I've played, barring maybe like God of War. I think God of War is like the one game that I think competes with it. And I don't think there's any other game where I'm like, That invested in the characters. They did an incredible job with that.
1: Yeah. And. and Character development with these side quests. You cut them out of side quests in half. And made them each individually. A tiny bit longer. I think would have been better. For instance the doctor. The doctor that you help in that game. With Aerith is gone. So you help this doctor fill her job. Why wasn't that quest longer. And have a cutscene in it. That shows you how important she is to these people and how important it is to get her back. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you feel like somebody fudged this shit together rather than caring about it. Like they could have, and it could have been better. It's like, I'm not mad at this game. I'm just disappointed. that like, it's not as good as it could have been, but the bulk of it was still really good. And the original content was really, really good. And I appreciate with the scene with Don and the whole his picking a bride thing was still in the game, still really well done, and they kept the iconic lines about cutting it off or smashing them, and it's just like, I was like, yes! Every single time they had something in the game that was in the original game that was done really well, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And the game had a lot of that, and then they got to the fucking Shinra building, which is the worst part of the game, to me. And it sucks, too, because like, in the original game with the Shinra building, you can go up the stairs or like the elevator and they kept it in the game and they make you walk all like, what is it? Like 59 flights of stairs.
0: That and was I, amazing. I
1: love they kept that in there. It takes literally 10 minutes to go up those damn stairs.
0: And, and I as did, you get to the top, Cloud <laughs> slows down and starts like staggering. And then when you actually hit the top, you have to stand there and catch your breath. That was so good. I loved yeah.
1: it. Yeah. And then the rest of that area wasn't as good after that and here's the thing i was going to tell you about yesterday that we'll go, we'll go into like this is the big change for people who played the game the original Seth Roth is not in the shinra building until the very 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 end of that chapter and he's there for 10 seconds and that's it and he's just gone and the problem is, is in the original game where you get locked up and then you leave and there's blood trails everywhere. And you walk out and Genova's like body has been taken from this thing and there's just blood and bodies everywhere. And you follow this trail of blood and it's even in the battles in the original on the floor. When you just have random battles, it's on the floor. There's this really horrific thing and the music is super haunting and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And as you go upstairs and then like the president of Shenra is slumped over his desk and Sephiroth's sword is just in his back into the desk. And the guy is just lumped over. And it's super unsettling. And you're realizing how powerful Sephiroth is because all these people just like didn't stand a chance. And he just tore everyone to pieces. And they cut that scene out. And that to me is the iconic. Oh, my God. Sephiroth is like insane and this overwhelmingly powerful villain that there's no way in hell you could possibly fight right now and it really set the stage for me for who sephiroth is and i felt this game took away a lot of sephiroth's menacing character development by cutting that scene for people who've played it before and they pg'd the game up massively like there's a lot of like scenes that are really a little bit more grotesque, but are still teen that they could have kept in there. And I wish they did. Cause it makes the weight of things not as impactful when people are just like, Oh, I'm dying and I'm grabbing my side and there's like just nothing there. And, uh, ow. Or like when Sephiroth stabs the president and spooky ghosts come out. It's like, really spooky ghosts, spooky ghosts. You could have just panned up to his face, had this a tiny bit of red show up in his face and have the guy collapse. And it, you could have had your teen game and the guy would have been dead and it would have been a little bit more impactful and horrific like the game felt before. And I don't like the fact that they cut that out. A lot of the scenes with Sephiroth, though, with Cloud's headaches are really good. But when you cut out something that iconic and that big from a game and replace it with something worse, it, it, it lost me a little bit. I still love this game, though. But That was a huge misstep at the penultimate moment in the game.
0: So, like, for me, again, someone who doesn't know that much about the original, hasn't played it. I feel like I came away from this game. And I don't feel like I was ever. I don't feel like I came away with, like, the feeling that, like, Sephiroth was the big bad. Sephiroth just kind of confused me. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And it's like if if that scene is in the game, like if you walk out of Eris' room in that game and there is blood and bodies everywhere. And if you were to walk up to the main building and instead of the President of Shinra getting stabbed on the roof, he was just impaled on a sword lumped over his desk. And it's like Sephiroth. Do you think that would have had a better impact on being like, Oh, "Oh, oh, shit.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah to be fair though i also think like if that's your goal you can't have the final fight with sephiroth either yeah well that was added well no but like i'm saying like i liked that fight but if your goal is to paint him as this big bad that you in no way can fight right now which i think it should be the intention should be what he is you can't have that fight at the end with him
1: yeah it could have even just they could have even ended that fight differently
0: like at that point though, why not just like fix the Shinra Tower scene? You can still do the fight with Jay I'm blanking on the name. No, uh, Jenova. Jenova? Yeah. If you still do the fight with Jenova. Why not just like do the escape sequence and then just give me an epilogue chapter? Don't like I don't need a final boss. Give me like a you're out of the city chapter. Yeah. To end the game.
1: The the game felt short for what they were going for and yet long at the same time and it's just yeah honestly if you want to put several in that final fight i would have loved if you go to fight him and it's really long like the way it was but his health bar like tiny 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 bit goes down and then when it's like an eighth of the way down and that's how small it's going then he just like leaves after he like pones you or something You know, and just be like, fuck you. Like, I'm so much stronger than you. I'm bored. I'm leaving.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I think there's a lot of ways to do it. And I think I I enjoyed the game. And for myself to comment on, like, the story stuff, because I don't know, I have to wait to see what the second remake is. Like, what the continuation is. Because I don't know enough about the original story to have an opinion on it. But I feel like they left themselves an uphill battle to wrap up that story in an effective way for me. And all of the, to me, like a lot of the extra story and the character development and all that stuff was really good. But this overarching story, you have me playing a whole game and I'm just kind of standing here like, what?
1: Yeah, and here's the part. Now, this is past, uh, like this game being really good and the combat's like insane and Materia is still really good in the game. But here's my worry about the the further end of this game. The end of disc one. I think, in compared to what we played with this game, this is six games. Because we're not you're not halfway through the first disc in content. And if they bloat out the rest of the game, this is six games. And it's going to be 12 years, like at least, to finish this. Which is weird. And it's just like, I don't like I'm not, I have the walkthrough up for the original game. And I'm looking at the content in here and like, sure, you know, like disc two where you go and stuff can be like trimmed, but they're not trimming. They're adding or changing. They're not trimming.
0: Well, like the only thing I can think is if they decided that adding to Midgar and trimming from other sections was correct. Yeah. Which I don't know. I don't know if it is. I don't know if it isn't. But that's the only thing I can think.
1: Yeah. So like I just I want the other game and I know not we're just not getting it for a while and it might just like be a prequel to this game. With like Zach and his character and what happened. I could see them making the next game shorter, cheaper prequel then make the next game that keeps going wouldn't doubt it one bit you know there's just there's a lot of scenarios that this doesn't end well for this game which is sad because like the story is so good and when you bloat it out like this and make the games this much longer the problem is is that it takes you so long to finish this story like who's gonna like care at the end you know and the game obviously sold really good but also has like some really odd completion rates. Like a lot of people didn't finish it. did play the game, <laughs> which is pretty common, yeah. but still like it says a lot. Well, like I still love this game, but I really want more from the next one as in more of the storyline going through because you gave us the first four hours of the game and made it 35 hours.
0: Yeah, I think, I think with the whole bloat thing, I don't know what's from the original and what isn't, but I feel like I liked all the parts that felt like they developed one of the existing characters that felt important. Mm -hmm. The ones that were for random X or Y, just as like a filler quest, I didn't like, but like anything that like added to like my, like to like the image and the character development of like Tifa, Aerith, like those kind of characters, the more like important ones was cool. And I liked it. Yeah. And it's,
1: Even here, like, there's a bunch of characters added that I just don't know why I needed to know more about them. Like, everything with Johnny, honestly, I just didn't give a fuck. No, I I totally agree. You know? And there's a lot of that where I just don't care about a lot of these characters. And I was, like, neat. Like, I actually liked Leslie. And you did with him, like that was actually kind of interesting. But there's just so much added stuff and random side characters that don't expand on the important stuff. They just add filler. It was like watching an anime where they caught up to the manga and they're just like, crap, we got to make something up. But like you have your whole story. You don't have to make stuff up. It just can be the freaking story.
0: Yeah, that's the thing where like I, I didn't, I feel like there were a couple things that were bloated. I just don't know the line of what was the original and what was not yeah which is kind of interesting like, because there was a lot of a lot of like the content i feel like when you look at something like witcher for example where you have really good side quests is your side quests have to be detached enough from the main story that you don't have to play them to understand but mm-hmm. also intriguing enough to justify their existence on their own yeah and i don't think any side quests in this game fit into that category no I think there were a couple side quests that were really important to the story and a couple that were completely irrelevant to the story. And I wish I hadn't played.
1: Yeah, like I would replay this that's just game. Like, that's
0: not a good spot.
1: Yeah, I would replay this game and just like ignore all the side quests. If I if I play it on hard, I'll just ignore all of them. I just don't care and just play the story yeah. and the game will be better off from ignoring them. Yeah, but but still, though. It's kind of my favorite game of this year. I really liked playing it, but mm-hmm. I just have a lot of worry that stops it from being my the best game. And a lot of just the side quest structure was just awful to me.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I had a ton of fun playing the game, like a ton of fun. Mm. It, it was great. And like, as I said, it's it was kind of cool and hopefully possibly a YouTube video coming soon. But mm. seeing the... I have no experience with the game. You've played it a ton. Yeah. So I think we like, we responded to a lot of things really differently. and I think that's cool. I think the fact that both of us enjoyed it is the really incredible thing. Yeah. Because that means that you didn't completely mess up being true to the original, but also weren't just nostalgia porn, right? Yeah. You figured it out somewhere. The big added thing, by the way,
1: you know how long you're in the Schoenberg building with Professor Hojo? And you do all those experiment things. Especially with the whack-a-mole robots, which I know you love. (laughs) Uh. That is not in the original game. You interact with him for like two minutes.
0: See, I didn't mind that section, though. I feel like that section just had the issue of being one of the weirdo puzzle sections that was, like, half-assed. But I actually enjoyed the combat and a lot of what was going on in there. The combat... just needed to end better.
1: The combat was fun, but it just took away a lot for me from, like, the importance of being in that building. Because you're just, like, farting around with this dude and he's, like, toying with you. And it's just, like... But, like, no. It doesn't make any sense... Him doing that. Like, I understand he's trying to get battle data, but it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, I,
0: I had turned my brain off long before that, because it is hardly <sighs> the first thing that didn't make sense.
1: But it's just. Yeah. And it's the thing is that the things you thought didn't make sense weren't there originally. And that's the big thing. It's just like the original stuff that they did for this game, like the stuff they made up for this game was so bad. But the quality of the original stuff. In the game from like the original game was so good. It made up for the stuff they added being bad. So we came out at an eight, which if they just didn't put the bloat in, this would have been a 10 for me.
0: Yeah, I think I think I would have an issue with the Hojo scene now that like you bring that up. If they had ended. The tower the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah. With Sephiroth, because in the context of how the tower was in the remake. The Hojo scene feels fine, mm. but if that's like the ramifications and like the experience of the tower in the original game, I can see why the Hojo scene is out of place.
1: It's at, it's just out of place. I don't think it's good character development. I'm just not a fan. But you know, like, I mean, yeah, I'm probably gonna replay. The I mean, game also, on just hard. like
0: it doesn't it doesn't make any sense like contextually. But there's a lot of things in that game that didn't make any sense contextually.
1: Yeah, because they added it. That's that's my that's the perspective thing is that I know what they added and it drives me nuts. And I just want to replay the game and like just, just go straight through on hard and see what happens. And that's about all I have to say about that. I knew I'd be a little long. That's why I wanted to save it. <laughs> well, all in all, this year could have been worse by a long ways. And I feel like, you know,
0: Are we talking about just in the context of gaming?
1: Just, you know, it could have been worse. We had Among Us, you know, which was sweet and was just fun. Until you realize that, you know, people make poor decisions
0: sometimes. (laughs) I was cleared, damn it. (laughs) But no, I I think that I think that this year was actually pretty good. Yeah. I think we had a lot of. I think we had, a even though I think like the breakout. Oh, my gosh, this broke my world games were fairly few this year. I feel like just like the high quality, this game is worth your time and a lot of fun was really plentiful this year, which is good.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, anything else before we head on out?
0: No, I think that's it. Hopefully we'll do another one of these next year and probably get to crown Ragnarok as the best game of 2021 with uh, Horizon Forbidden West following up.
1: Do we really think one of those is coming out this year?
0: I mean, I would would be fairly confident in Forbidden West coming out. Yeah. I'm going to hope for Ragnarok. Obviously,
1: Game of the Year will be Hogwarts Legacy, right? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Of course.
0: (laughs) Well... I don't know. I don't know. If Fable Four, uh if Fable Four comes out this year, so we might have some words to be had at the end of this year. That game's not coming out until
1: like Elder Scrolls comes out in like five years. And they're gonna come out in the same year.
0: I can have hope. I can have hope, okay? Well,
1: you 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 have fun with that. Hope is the anchor that drowns the man. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next yeah. time. This has been below average gaming. Keep yourself safe. Enjoy 2021. And yeah.